discuss back pain. Okay, so um, we're still at the kitchen table and uh, there's a commonality that Chloe and I have discovered, which is that the number one reason that people come to a practice of yoga is to alleviate back pain. Yeah, and I think it's probably the number one reason people go to a doctor as well. It's definitely up there. Um, I'm not quite sure on the statistics, but I do know that the statistics are that about 80% of, of adults in, in industrialised countries mm. will experience back pain in their life and for over a quarter of them that's, that's disabling. So they are unable to work, they're unable to do their normal, normal day-to-day activities because of it. So it's obviously a huge problem for lots of people and it's also something that I think is quite poorly understood. Yes, um, and that I see moving in tandem with a lot of the lifestyle changes that are happening in modern society, mm-hmm. such as very prolonged periods of sitting, mm-hmm. and then prolonged periods of sitting you know, on very soft things like a couch, without awareness of how one's posture is, mm-hmm. uh, or sitting at a desk and work all day, mm-hmm. uh, sleeping on maybe a very soft mattress, for example. Yeah, I was looking. I was doing a bit of research this morning, um, mm. and I was looking at uh, the Google website, which allows you to look at trends in search terms. It's really fascinating. Yeah. And so I just put in back pain to look at the trends in, in search terms. And two things struck me. The first is that um, the uh, prevalence of searching for back pain has increased even in the last two years, um, and it's increased by about thirty percent in the mm. last two years. And the second interesting thing was. Uh, Google will give you a map of the world and they'll colour in like dark places where that uh, term has been searched for a lot mm-hmm. and then the countries where it's a lower proportion of the searching that's going on um, will be paler and if you look at a map the dark places for back pain are the US of A, mm-hmm. um, Europe, particularly the UK where I'm from, um, Australia um, and pretty much most of the developing world or um, less industrialised parts of the world don't search for it anywhere near as much. So it's definitely a problem of kind of our modern Western lifestyle. And mm. in itself, that sometimes doesn't really make sense to people. I think people feel that you get back pain from um, doing lots of heavy lifting or like heavy work. Um, but a lot of adults that are getting back pain are not particularly doing. And to those of you work. listening now, think for a moment: Do you have pain in your back? And really openly address and feel that question. I ask people when they come to class for the first time a number of questions. One of the questions is: Do you have pain anywhere in your body? I would say 75 to 85% of the people say, oh, I have lower back pain, but it's always there. Hmm. So it's then, in my view, chronic. Mm -hmm. And something that makes chronic pain difficult is that the body gets used to it. So I Hmm. see an epidemic of people used to chronically being in pain, particularly in the lower back 
or particularly in the upper and cervical spine, mm -hmm. which from an anatomical perspective comes from simply leaning forward. Mm -hmm. So that's when, if you're, again, if you're listening, try this, like lean forward and mimic typing on your computer, mimic holding a book or a newspaper, mimic holding your mobile phone and just watch what happens to your neck and your shoulders mm -hmm. and we're all in this together you don't have to be you know painfully judgmental in yourself but just see how the body folds forward mm -hmm. and this is causing less space between the vertebrae mm -hmm. and that's causing a lot of the chronic pain And then from a yogic perspective, there's many ways to very simply alleviate this. Mm. So I'm going to tell you all one thing that you could try in your home right now. All you have to do is stand in a doorway. I'm going to do it now too. So <laughs> you stand in a doorway. So Eliza's actually got up and she's now standing <laughs> in the doorway of her kitchen. And you put your hands on one side of the doorway. Okay. And then you lean forward. So she's, she's supporting her, her whole body with her hands on, on the inside of the door frame. And my feet are hip distance apart. And then I'm just leaning forward so that my shoulders hug together or move together on the back of my body. Mm. And that naturally lifts the sternum, which is a bone in the front of your chest, and makes some space and elongation in the spine. Mm. And then that will also show you the difference between what it's like when you sit and work on a computer and when you stand very upright. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that's a good action for kind of upper back pain yeah. and neck pain. Um, in terms of, so I, th I, f I feel like when people get your experience Can I just of, ask you a question? Yeah, go for it. So let's say I come to the hospital and I say, lower back pain? Mm -hmm. And I say, uh, my lower back really hurts. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been hurting for a long time. It comes and goes. Um, what do I do? Sure. Then and what do you do as a doctor? And this happens all the time. I think that every doctor probably has their uh, kind of standard advice that they would give people in this mm -hmm. situation because it comes up so often as something that you almost just learn by rote what is helpful to people um, and what is new or useful information for that person. So, you've got back pain. Um, most people coming to hospital with back pain Uh, looking for two things I think they're either looking for reassurance that it's not something serious because mm -hmm. there are some serious causes of back pain and um, they're very rare in comparison to most people would not have a serious cause of back pain um, but there are some conditions where you get severe back pain and it is a you know, life or limb threatening thing So people sometimes are coming for an examination to ensure that they don't have a very serious form of back pain. And I think that's completely valid. And yes. if you have any concerns, um, then do see your doctor about that. Because 
And it's helpful this... also to have like a pinched nerve diagnosed. Yeah. It's very, and even that knowledge of being diagnosed, you can bring on the path of healing then. Yeah. So being more informed, I think, is always a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, as doctors, we mostly get worried when the spine itself or the nerves that are traveling in the spine are um, in some way compromised. Mm -hmm. So we really worry with, <laughs> it's a slightly bizarre question, but your doctor will probably ask you if you have had any numbness around your anus, because mm -hmm. that is one of the first signs that the spinal cord itself is getting um, pinched or squeezed. Mm -hmm. Um, and the first thing you notice is that you have a, a numb ring around your anus. Okay. So if a doctor asks you that, that is why. <laughs> so I thought I'd just put that on the table there. And, and that's often why you might get an examination of the back passage as well if you come to your doctor mm. with back pain. So I'm just clearing See, that out. it would be so helpful if a doctor told me that. <laughs> yeah, instead of just, right, this is happening. <laughs> um, so... Watch out for that. Watch out for any loss of control of your bowels or your bladder, mm -hmm. which is another sign that your spinal cord low down might be getting squeezed. Mm -hmm. um, if you get a numbness or you lo lose control in your legs, um, that can be serious, but it isn't always serious. So a lot of people with sciatica will have numbness mm -hmm. or weakness in their legs, and sciatica is not life or limb threatening. However, I'm if you are if people drive a car a lot, mm. or if you sit a lot, or some people say from childbirth, then you know this feeling of pinched sciatic nerve. Would right? you say so? Maybe I think I also get so many it. people with pinched sciatic nerve. Yeah, it's very common. Yeah, it's very common. Um, but I think the recommendation would still be if this is a new thing um, mm. that you're getting numbness or pins and needles in your uh, legs you should probably um, go and see a doctor, and mm -hmm. particularly if it's both-sided. Yeah. Because if it's only one-sided, that's uh, the compression of the nerve after it's left the spinal cord. So that's the sciatic nerve when it's come out of the spine. Um, at some point, it's traveling um, down through your pelvis and the back of your leg, um, and at some point along there, it's getting compressed. And that's normally um, from a disc that slipped from your spine or mm. it's from your muscles being really tight in that area. Mm. Um, so that in itself is, is uh, annoying and painful and awful, but it's not dangerous. If you're getting it on both sides of your legs, then we worry that that's something in the spinal cord itself, mm. um, which can be a lot more severe and problematic. Mm. So mm. just some caveats. Um, yeah, so if you're experiencing be, these intense things, like go to a doctor, yeah, get checked. It can be. And then tell your yoga teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you manage to make it to yoga before you're taken for an operation. Um, but um, so so some people are coming to be checked out because they feel they might have something serious going on. Um, absolutely valid, and it's the right thing to do. Other people are coming because they just. But they know that there's probably nothing serious going on, but they can't put up with the pain anymore. And mm -hmm. they're looking for painkillers or medication um, to help with that. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's uh, a slightly different group of people. And often they're people that have had back pain or chronic pain for a long time. And it flares up and it goes down and it flares up and goes down. And s sometimes, depending on what else is going on in their lives, they just cannot cope anymore with it. And they need to just cancel it out with some kind of drug 
normally opiates or diazepam, yep. which is what they mostly want. And um, I think this highlights as something that is um, coming from our culture, mm. which is that if you have these things going on with your body, like chronic pain in your back so badly that you need such strong medicine, mm-hmm. many people aren't in a position where they can take two weeks off of work. Mm-hmm. They're not in a position where they can maybe see a dietitian and get consultation about how to change the food that they're eating mm-hmm. in order to help their digestion, you know, to help their back pain, for example. Yeah. So I find that this is also sometimes, it makes me sad and frustrated mm-hmm. because many people are not in a situation where they can actually heal the body organically, mm-hmm. that they need to speed up the healing or, you know, pause the healing so that they can continue on with what needs to be done in life. Yeah, and I think also... From, from my experience, um, most people who have had back pain for a long time um, uh, find that it takes up so much of their time being in bed with their back pain and not being able to focus on their tasks um, that most people really, really want something different to try. And most people know that medications um, ultimately don't help because you end up needing more and more of them and they make you drowsy and they give you all kinds of side effects they make you constipated they make you sick um, they're addictive most people know this and have experienced this and don't like taking the medication mm-hmm. but they just don't have any idea of an alternative way to try and heal themselves okay and no one has taught them that and i see this very commonly um that people just don't know what to do next. They just don't know where to turn or how to begin the process of trying to actually get to the root of the pain and mm-hmm. and try and sort it out. Um, so let's say that again, this person has come to you and they have chronic back pain, and it's not you've ruled out that it's nothing major that they need an operation from or that's mm-hmm. life threatening. Mm-hmm. And then you do give them a painkiller, for example, mm-hmm. to help through the next two weeks because they still have to go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, what else would you say to this um, patient that we've made up that I think many people can relate to? Sure. Um, so firstly, I'd examine them. Um, yep. And I'd examine their musculoskeletal system. So I'd look at particularly at their bones and their muscles. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that most of these people that have chronic back pain will use their bodies very asymmetrically. So um, Mm. one side will be very tense and and you might actually even physically be able to see that that side is crunched, scrunched up in some way. Um, And that uh, goes on to how they walk and they might have um, a limp or they might kind of um, always sit using one side or always stand up in a particular way. Could you label this dominant side and non-dominant side? Or is it going beyond that? Um... I think that people, yeah, I think that's maybe a confusing term because people think of their dominant side as perhaps like if you're right-handed, your right is your dominant side. I don't know, but I guess it's the side where that person identifies the problem is, Mm. they try and protect that side. That's it. So you've got the side that you're trying to protect and then you've got the side that you're overusing to try and protect the side where you think you've got the pain. Yes. And again, this is something that I think 
once you make a person, at least in my experience, aware of this, mm-hmm. then they see it in one second. Yeah. One leg, you know, one thigh can be bigger than the other thigh. One hip can be more forward mm-hmm. and the other hip is more receding. One arm can be larger. Mm-hmm. You know, one side of the muscles can be extending and then on the other side of the body, they're only contracting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And, and what I, I point this out to people because... It's really important that when you're doing your physiotherapy exercises, which anyone with chronic back pain should do, and you can find them on the internet very easily, very simple um, physiotherapy uh, exercises that are good for low back pain. But when you're doing them, you so need to... So is this to, something that you would have given to a patient? I'll give someone a leaflet with a set of exercises on it. Yeah. Okay, great. But I will point out to someone the way in which their body is asymmetrical. Because if that person is doing all those physiotherapy exercises how they'd naturally do them, they will continue doing them asymmetrically. Um, For example, uh, I was chatting to a lady who had some uh, sciatica and some hip pain. She drove a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of a driving-related thing that's quite common. And she was trying to exercise by... um, kind of doing forward bends, so kind of stretching over and touching her toes and various other things that are helpful. But whenever she did uh, a forward bend where she bent over to touch her toes, her left foot would point out to the side um, because the left side of the hip was the one where she was tightened and that foot just automatically went out to the side, whereas the other foot was was straight. Um, And when she did that, she wasn't really stretching that hip yeah. properly she was continuing to reinforce this imbalance which is the reason she has her pain in the first place so you've got to actually show people this or tell people this because otherwise they think they're doing the right thing and they just don't know why they're not getting anywhere with it um, and I think if you're someone in that position you might not get that shown to you by your family doctor or whatever because sometimes doctors don't know that much about the physical structure of um, muscles and bones. Mm. Um, so you, unless you've gone to see a physiotherapist who's good and has been helpful for you, um, or you have been to a yoga teacher who's pointed these things out to you, which again can be rare, like not every yoga teacher will, um, you just don't know these things. Mm. So it, you, you can kind of see why people get frustrated and they're not getting better. Because um, they feel they're doing all the right things, mm. but no one's pointed out to them, you know, very simple things about their body that are off balance, mm. and they need to try and correct. This idea of balance in the body is 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 quite a yogic idea, alignment. Um, that's definitely how I came across it. I was never taught that in medical school, um, so. Mm. And I th- so Iyengar yoga is known as mm. holding postures longer and then focusing on alignment. Mm. And this is something that will make it different than, say, a vinyasa class, a hot yoga class, an ashtanga yoga class, where you're moving much more rapidly mm-hmm. through postures without holding them, without uh, focusing on what's happening to my right arm and my left arm, what's happening to my right inner ankle and my left inner ankle, for example. Mm-hmm. However, I think it can go a little bit too far sometimes, Mm -hmm. like an obsession with alignment. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really helpful if a person just knows their basic anatomy, Mm -hmm. you know, and they just know that they have a giant liver on one side of their body Mm -hmm. that is going to make things 
somewhat, you know, asymmetrical. Hmm. So I like to be a bit more comprehensive and call it looking for alignment in the asymmetrical body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone's body is asymmetrical. Yes. Um, and as you get older, you will become more asymmetrical. Most people. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where using again basic props like a wall, mm-hmm. you know, or a doorway, things that are solid, mm-hmm. unmoving, and straight. Mm-hmm. And even another very simple thing: if you just stand with your back against a wall. You will learn a lot about the back of your body. Mm-hmm. And we don't have eyes on the back of our head, so we tend to ignore this posterior side. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a, would be a great addition to giving someone like this leaflet of exercises, just as you're saying, mm-hmm. but pointing out the proper way to do them with their bodies. Mm-hmm. Because for each person, it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why you can't just give one formula for how to heal every single person's back pain that's going to function. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, f- so physiotherapy, so we've, we've kind of, the approach would take someone back pain, rule out anything serious, mm-hmm. um, prescribe some pain relief to help them kind of in the initial phases over the next couple of days because um, doing the exercises uh, will take a few days before you start to feel the benefits from it and can take a long time before you fully heal yourself. Yeah. Um, and then we'll talk about physiotherapy and these kind of exercises um, I would class as physiotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing to do, mm-hmm. I think, the next important thing that I will always try and speak to people about is um, relaxation because... Mm-hmm. What I find when I examine people is that often the muscles um, around the area that is problematic for that person are very, very tense. Um, so if you, if you poke them, they're very hard. Um, they can even be a bit inflamed, a bit warm, um, and they're just really, really gripping. And that is a kind of cyclical thing that just keeps the pain going because you have initial pain in that muscle and you respond by contracting it all up to try and protect it. Mm. Um, And that contraction of the muscle makes the muscle inflamed and angry and doesn't allow it to heal because muscle um, kind of, as it relaxes, the blood can flow back into the muscle and can bring all the nutrients and all of the oxygen and allow the muscle to heal. But that that hasn't happened. uh, Characterize the muscle as angry. Um. Yeah, (laughs) muscles do get angry. (laughs) So how can we make the muscles more compassionate? Yeah, um, so to relax muscles. So firstly, I think you have to be compassionate with the muscle. Um, so. so there is a connection between the psychology and the state of mind yeah. and how the body is reacting or responding. Because yeah. that was going to be the question I had is, do you point out to a patient things like, uh, do you know certain times when your back pain flares up? Or... Have you noticed what happens when you get in a lot of pain? Or have you noticed what you're doing when you're in no pain? Mm -hmm. And just starting to pay attention to the fact that certain life situations or circumstances Mm -hmm. might be affecting one's mind so much that the body responds in this way. Yeah. And people people can be very resistant to this idea. Uh, People don't like it because um, I think there's a bit of a taboo about your 
your lack of control of your mental state mm. causing your physical illness or you know that you are somehow to blame for that um, mm. and there's a there's a lot of these ideas where people find it difficult to make the link between their emotional state or their, their stress levels and their physical pain. Other people are fine making that link, but some yeah. people do find it difficult. So. And I find some people feel that then they've done something wrong. Yeah. That if they connect their physical pain to their emotional state or their circumstance, then they feel like it's a giant red arrow pointing at them saying, how could you let this happen? Yeah. So then they feel blamed and they feel like it's their fault. Yeah. And I think that the, the understandable reaction as well is that often people who feel a huge amount of physical pain, that is enough for them. They don't want to address their mental pain as well because it's just so overwhelming to, for, for that person to go, well, you know, maybe I need to be happier in some way as well as like trying to cope with the fact that I can't get to work and like I don't have any money to feed my kids because of that and you know, everything else that's going on in their life. So it can just be sometimes a bit too much of course and um, so you have to be sensitive to that and I think that you know a person has to be in a place where they are able to um they have the capacity to kind of start looking at other areas of their life as well mm. um do you recommend mental health counseling to patients in chronic pain n- no because I can't promise something that mm. the system can't deliver Okay, so it's not a part necessarily of their insurance? Well, in the UK, most people um, get their treatment through the NHS, which is a nationalised health service, so they don't have insurance. Um, And unfortunately, mental health funding is not as good as it should be. Okay, Um, I think this is probably a common thread mm -hmm. through different countries, through Europe, through the US. Mm -hmm. You know, I can speak for... um, a few different European countries and just say that from what I know, um, with basic health service, there's often a, often a particular number of sessions given. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like 10 sessions over three years mm-hmm. or five sessions a year. Yeah. Um, and in my view, that's not nearly comprehensive enough for what a lot of people are dealing with. Yeah. And then if you add on top of stress and chronic pain, needing 80 euros, you know, I don't know, mm-hmm. 70 pounds, whatever, to go and see a mental health counsellor, mm-hmm. people are probably not going to be proactive enough to do that. Yeah. Or but have I the resource to do that. There, there are things you can do which are more accessible. So, mm-hmm. for example, you can learn mindfulness quite easily. There's a lot of resources on the internet um, where you can, and apps as well, where you can sit down for like 10 or 20 minutes a day and just have someone instruct you through some basic mindfulness exercises. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing can be really helpful and doesn't cost anything. Yeah, learning um, to be present. Yeah. You can actually, it's very simple. <laughs> Tell yeah. you a big secret now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anytime you feel stressed or you feel overwhelmed or you feel a lot of anxiety, just count 21 breaths hmm. and inhale, exhale counts as one, inhale, exhale counts as two. Mm-hmm. And then reevaluate how you feel after 21 breaths. Mm-hmm. And that's something you can do anywhere, anytime. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. And a lot of people with chronic pain, when they do that, they find their pain 
gets better and more manageable. And they also feel really tired <laughs> after they have yeah. breathed for 21 breaths. Yeah. Just see how that, that makes you feel. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. But Okay, circling back to this person we can all relate to who has chronic back pain mm-hmm. and who's been given some physio exercises, who's been given some pain medication, who is maybe brave enough to go and try a yoga class or try a mindful walking class or something of this nature. Mm-hmm. What's the next step for them? Mm-hmm. So, most people, um, longer term, to prevent themselves from getting lots of flare-ups of their pain, need to reteach their body mm. how to be. Um, because chronic back pain does come from structural problems within the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the, the human body is not particularly well adapted in the sense that we used to walk on all fours mm. and so our kind of middle would just would kind of be supported by our hands and our legs. Um, so there would be less weight going directly down through the middle of the back. Mm. Now we're standing upright, we have this big pressure going through the back. And if you think about the area in a skeleton, like if you think about looking at a skeleton, um, perhaps from like your biology class at school, there are no real bones in that part of the body, um, in the middle of the body. There's just a spine that goes through the middle, which is very kind of small bones. Um, and you've got your ribs above and you've got your pelvis below, but you've got nothing in the midsection mm. that's supporting it. So all that area is supported by muscles. Um, and those are your core muscles. And, and it's full of your organs. <laughs> it's full <laughs> of organs that are sloppy out. See, in general, don't blame yourself because it's a design problem. But, <laughs> with your body can uh, can improve or make things worse over a long time. So if you think that your core is supporting your back and your the muscles of your back are very important as well, building your muscles is important. And I think this is one of only one of the reasons, but one of the reasons why people who sit down and do a lot of desk work um, or spend a lot of time watching TV or on their computer or driving, um, because most people sit with their back up against a backrest Um, and they're taking away any activity of their core at all during the day. And then, um, you know, you might do a few sit-ups at the gym or whatever, but ultimately your core is quite weak. Most people in industrialized Western society's core is very weak. Um, so to just do some muscular work to build up your um, core is, is and very I'm helpful. Gonna, as the yoga teacher, recommend core work that just uses your own body weight. Mm-hmm. You don't need to actually go and lift weights, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You just need to be able to hold up your own body weight. Yeah. And one of the faults I see of lifting weights is that it just contracts your muscles. And then it leaves your muscles in a state of permanent contraction if you don't do anything to extend them. Mm-hmm. Um, so exercises, you know, things just like jumping. Mm-hmm. Um, can be really, really helpful in teaching your body to bear traction properly mm. um, and, and then teaching yourself how to bear your own weight. Yeah. Um, and even just small adjustments, like um, when you're sitting, 
sit up straight and don't mm. slump against the back of your chair. Just <laughs> support your own weight in your body whenever you're sitting. And if you start building these habits into your day-to-day life, yeah. your core will get stronger without you going to the gym at all or doing anything. Yes, exactly. Which I think you wouldn't realise. Like, <laughs> you, you don't have to do a lot of extreme exercise in order to strengthen your your muscles. Mm. Um, and so we've got a nice strong core now. Um, and... The other thing to do is to make sure that your muscles are flexible enough to allow your back to to move properly and make sure that the muscles aren't being kind of pulled by the fact that you're, you're very tight and not flexible enough in the muscles and that's um, where yoga comes in quite a lot as well. Yes, <laughs> and such a simple thing, anyone can do this with any kind of body. All you need to do is sit in a chair. So you just sit in a chair, this can be your office chair at work, it can be a dining room table chair at home, it can be a chair in the kitchen, doesn't matter. Your feet just need to reach the floor. And then preferably your knees would be in line with your hips, but if it's not a perfect match, it's okay. All you do from sitting in the chair is you turn and twist towards the back of the chair. Maybe you heard my spine crack. So I twist towards the right, I bring both of my hands to hold the chair back behind me, and then I breathe, and I take a few deep breaths in through my nose, and out through my nose, and then I untwist and come back to a traditional seat or posture in the chair, and then I turn to the left, hold the back edges of the chair, Take a few deep inhalations and exhalations and then untwist and return to the position I started in. Do this three times a week for four weeks and I guarantee your spine will be much more flexible. Mm. And that's so simple. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you find, my instinct is that a lot of people get lower back pain um, because their uh, their lumbar is very tight, and almost that goes down into their hamstrings, and their mm-hmm. hamstrings are very tight, mm-hmm. and so the whole of the muscles on the back of the body are just pulling in towards each other, um, and this causes everything to be very tense. And what that means is that when people make a sudden movement or like they bend to pick something up from the floor, even a very simple movement can really rip and wrench those muscles mm. because they're always so tight. Yeah. Um, and and this one gets a very severe pain when they just bent down to pick something up from the side. Yeah. Um, what would you recommend to do for that? Yeah, great question. And then also as we age, thinking of things like you want to be able to bend down and pick something up. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to sit on the floor. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to stand up and get up if you happen to fall over. Mm-hmm. And these are things that perhaps some people that are more younger and healthy take for granted. Mm-hmm. But if you don't take care of the body, you know, can you really expect it to keep taking care of you? Mm-hmm. Um, so this tightness... There are numerous things you can do. Very, very simply, this, this, while you were talking, I was just seeing the classical pose, Adho Mukha Svanasana, mm-hmm. which is downward facing dog. Mm-hmm. What this does is the exact opposite of a seated posture. Mm-hmm. So 
This, I'm, I'm assuming that you could Google quickly downward facing dog and look at this if you don't know. But essentially, your hands and feet are on the floor and your butt is lifting towards the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And what this pose forces is to open your lower back mm -hmm. and it forces you to notice the connection between the openness of the lower back and the buttocks and the legs mm. and the hamstrings and the quadricep muscles, mm -hmm. you know? So these all have a very dependent relationship with each other. Mm. And most people, when they first try downward dog, are not able to straighten their legs. All of the weight is heavy on the arms because of this tightness in the body. Mm -hmm. So this is where Iyengar Yoga again says, oh, put a strap around your upper thighs hmm. and let the strap support your legs so you can work with your body as it is hmm. and do a downward dog that's approachable for you. Hmm. So the basic adjustment is to put a strap around the upper thighs and put two blocks for the hands. And this makes a pose that is not accessible by men, for many people who have this tightness mm -hmm. instantly possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you've never done yoga and you look at this picture of downward dog and you just think, no, rubbish, I'm not going to get on my floor and try that, no problem. Um, you can do a pose which is called child's pose, where you bring your big toes together and your knees apart and you're kneeling on your shins. And then you can put a pillow from your bed or the couch between your buttocks and your heels. And then just slowly walk your hands forward. And if you're able to, you can rest your forehead on the floor or you can take another one of these pillows from around in your flat or even a dictionary and then just rest your head on it. Mm -hmm. And while you're there, breathe into this tight area in your body. Mm. If you just did this one pose three times a week, you would notice a tremendous change very quickly. Yeah, and that's a pose which um, you can do even in your bed. If you're unable to yeah. get out of the bed with the pain, you can just get into that position, stay there, breathing. It's, it's quite sustainable. It doesn't require any hard work from your muscles or strength to stay there. Um, so even if you're having like a terrible day and you just can't get out of the bed because of the pain, mm -hmm. try lying in that position as opposed to... Um, lying kind of on your side or however you would normally lie when you're in pain. Yeah. Another thing you could do if you really can't get out of the bed or things are, are very painful, you can just lie down flat on your back or stay in the position you're already in, in your bed. Bend your knees and then drop your knees to the left, attempting to keep your right shoulder on the floor. And then drop your knees to the right side of your body, attempting to keep your left shoulder rooted on the bed or the floor. And this is a basic spinal twist using your own body weight. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to injure yourself because you're just using your own body weight. Mm -hmm. And this can help with different asymmetries as well mm -hmm. when you twist. Yeah. And actually, if you... Um, look at basic physiotherapy for the lower back and you Google that a lot of these um, positions will be within that leaflet as well so um, and they're all very accessible to um, people with with completely different bodies and different levels of health.
And one more I want to add. Yeah. This, I think, is probably the easiest. Mm -hmm. So you just go to a table in your, uh, in your home, in your flat, wherever you're living. And again, ideally, the table would be about hip distance height. If it's lower, put some blankets on top of it. If it's higher, get, again, a dictionary that you could stand on. And then all you do is lay your upper body bending at the hips oh, flat over the table. Hmm. And then if you can, walk your hands forward mm -hmm. and then stay there and breathe. Hmm. This is a great modified accessible version of child's pose. Mm -hmm. And then what happens if you stay and breathe is all these little muscles that Chloe was talking about and nerves along the spine, they have a moment to relax. And a lot of the chronic gripping or a lot of the chronic tightness of the muscle, by you just staying and breathing on a flat, aligned surface, will begin to relieve themselves. <laughs> and I'm guessing if you tried this, those of you listening, um, that you will not want to get up. You will feel so good that you'll just want to stay there and breathe. Great. Thanks, Eliza. Thanks, Chloe. <laughs> Today, if you got much more to say about back pain, so. I'll just say that there is a a world of things that you can do um, for mm -hmm. back pain, mm -hmm. and that I encourage anyone who has back pain to not give up, mm -hmm. and don't assume that you have to have this pain forever, mm -hmm. and assume that it can transform, and that it will transform as you change your relationship to it. Mm -hmm.